Welcome back, everybody, from across the country and around the world. You're listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is February the 26th, 2015. We've got another great show for you this week. Uh, But before we kick it off, I want to send out uh, a message of condolences and a rest in peace to uh, Mr. Craig Morris. Craig Pineapple Morris passed away this past week. And he will be missed. We'd also like to send out some congratulations to uh, Mr. Ko. Penny Ko won the, uh, he took the title for the WPA World Timball Championship. So congratulations to him. Uh, oh, and congratulations to all of our U.S. Bar Table Championship winners, too. We had, um, let's see, it was Mr. Ignacio took a, Took home a, a, a decent little prize cash. He got the 8-ball title and uh, the 10-ball title. Shane Van Boning took the 9-ball title. Taylor Hansen took the 10-ball women's title. And Liz Lovely took both the 9-ball and the 8-ball title for the women's. Way to go, Liz. Way to go, Taylor. Way to go, Jeff. And way to go, Shane. Yeah, tell you what, these juniors are... Uh, Boy, they're coming up quick. Next thing you know, they'll be dominating the scene. So anyway, yeah. Uh, You know, while I'm thinking about it, uh, they also had the Junior Championship of Florida, I believe, just took place. And um, yeah, the Junior State Championship. So I want to send some congratulations out to them, too. For the 18 and under boys, Cody Kelly. Took first place. Second place was Adam Fruit. Third place, Matthew Fransky. Uh, 14 and under boys, Trenton White took first place. Bobby Bruce took uh, second place. And Jonathan Burden took third place. And for the girls, there was only one division, 18 and under. Uh, Antonia Curry took first place. Um, I'm going to mess her name up, so my apologies, Leah. Uh, Leah Quillanen? Quillanen? Yeah, geez, I'm sorry if I butchered that. She took second place. And third place was Rio Bella Kreischer Alvarado of Williston, Williston, Florida. She took third place. So congratulations to the juniors. You guys, that's awesome. I uh, hope to see you at the junior nationals for sure. So um, that's what's going on uh, in the major tournament scene. Um, what else is going on? Well, did you hear about there's a new television program being cooked up as we speak? Culture Entertainment uh, in the Atlanta, Georgia area area is uh, cooking up something. And we're going to talk to one of the producers about that in just a second. We're also going to get to talk to uh, Mr. Mark Cantrell and Mike Howerton about some of the uh, things that have been going on the past week with uh, the World 10 Ball and the money issue that they seem to have run into. But we're going to get right back to that right after your one-minute pool instructor. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. And Randy G. And this is the One Minute Pool Instructor. So what do we got this week, Scott? Well, Randy, I've got some uh, questions, and I know you had some vast experience with uh, league play for 
uh, 30, 40, 45 years. Yeah, for sure. Tell us a little bit about the history of league play and your involvement. Well, first of all, Scott, I'm kind of a social animal, and I like to be around people, and I like to test my skills with other people at certain levels. So uh, league play was naturally, as long as it's organized, was pretty good. Um, in the early days, the 60s, there wasn't much out there, but boy, in the 70s and 80s, all the leagues sprung up, and I like them all, Scott. I play three different leagues three nights a week. And, and I think league play, number one, social. All right, I like that. Number two, uh, I get to test my skills. Competition. Yeah. And, and maybe number three, I get to sell myself out there as an instructor once in a while. Um, you you to help your teammates or, or the people you're, you're hanging around. So uh, do I find uh, leagues uh, uh, a fix-all? No. Uh, because I'm social. I take leagues as a social. I don't look at the value, the, 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 the finances of a league. I don't care. Uh, everybody's entitled to their own livelihood. Um, I, wanna, I, I, I take a look at what does it give me socially. And, and I, that's why I play the three nice social leagues that all have national tournaments where I can go to, uh, let's say, Las Vegas and, and uh, compete against people I've never seen before or old friends. We meet there once a year, every year. So every league has its own really neat characteristics. I, I don't I don't get into a whole lot of the politics. I just like to play league pool. Um, there are uh, a lot of individual leagues coming up. Um, I played that American rotation. I played pool 300. Those are fun too and those are all one-on-ones. Uh, one -on -one. one -on so I like those too. I, I would recommend a league if you're social. If you're not social, or you're really into the other gambling aspect of it, well then I don't think league is good for you, but my golly, there's so many people out there that we can meet and, and, and learn from that uh, league is a really good avenue of, of doing it. Well nowadays there's seven or eight different opportunities to play in a uh, nationally sanctioned league. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, all, my, all the leagues I play in are nationally sanctioned because, like I said, I like to advance in, into another uh, uh, battlefield, so, so sure. to speak. But not all, not all leagues have to be sanctioned, Scott. There's some really neat in-house leagues that go no place, but they are fun. And they are. I see them in action. And They're you know fun. there's more of those than anything else. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and those room owners or, or those league operators who... who run those little, I don't know, they're not so little sometimes. Well, sometimes um, just a bar league in your town. Yeah, yeah, they're fun things. But like I said, if you're, if you're not into the social part of league play, then league's probably not for you. But there is the one-on-one -on -one leagues, and, and I'd recommend those too. Absolutely. Well, for the One Minute Pool Instructor, I'm Scott Lee. And I'm Randy G. And then we've enjoyed talking to you about league play today. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about how do you learn to draw the ball? Draw the ball? You just pencil and paper. Yeah, that's it. All right. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm on the phone talking to uh, JP. He is a, the senior producer. Please correct me if I'm wrong, sir. Senior producer uh, for Kelsher Communications. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct, uh, David. 
I am the senior producer of Kelsey Communications, and we're a production company. We've uh, been around since the 1990s, and our core focus is video production and special market promotions. Okay. Um, and from uh, the Kelsey Communications, we do a lot of corporate um, events and video productions and programming. Mm-hmm. Under Kelsher Entertainment, which is the division of Kelsher Communications, uh, we call that the, the fun part of the uh, the business <laughs> because under Kelsher Entertainment, we do concerts, we do stage plays, and we do um, television productions, uh, fun television productions like the Ultimate Pooh Sharks reality TV show that's, that's in the making right now. Ah, okay, okay. And you guys are based out of uh, Atlanta, is that correct, sir? We are on the south side of Atlanta okay. uh, in Fayetteville, Georgia, which okay. is uh, right outside of Atlanta, just south of uh, okay. Atlanta's airport. Ah, okay. Yeah, all right. I know where you're talking about. I was just in Atlanta not too long ago. Um, so, you know, what makes you guys want to get into the into this pool thing? I mean, um, how did this idea come about? Well, you know... David, I always tell folks that, you know, I've been very, very fortunate because for me, uh, coming to work in my career, which I've been in uh, for more than 20-plus years, it's like going to play. Uh, We can come up with creative and fun ideas, and and I have a staff of folks that support us and the the things we do, and uh, so we have the skill sets uh, to actually put some of these fun things into motion. Now, one of our partners um, is into billiards. Now, I'd first say, I'm not a billiard player. I don't know much about the game. But one of my partners, uh, dad, his, his dad owned a pool hall, so he grew up in the pool business. And he would always go and play and always would tell me, JP, you should come and shoot with us sometime. And, and quite frankly, I just wasn't interested in it. And uh, one day we were sitting around talking about this, and he was telling me about the characters in the pool halls, and we were all laughing. And then... You know, light bulb flash, you know, we should do a show about these guys. Yeah. And this was actually started in 2010 when this idea first came about. We were looking back to some of the old notes and things that we started jotting down back then. And, you know, bit by bit, you tweak it, you talk about it, you put it on the back burner, and you get other projects. And then uh, we went on and uh, started really putting the program together on paper and scripting it out, uh, coming up with concepts. And um, so we decided to move forward with it after talking with other folks in the billiard industry and find out that, you know, they're really um, probably more billiard players than they are golfers, you know. Yeah, and um, yeah. so all of the leagues and all these things I, I had no idea about. Sure. So we thought it was a great concept. And one, so two things we wanted to do was, one, reintroduce the game of billiards as a family sport. You know, sometimes folks get the, uh, what I found out is sometimes folks get the, the, the notion or the thought that, Billiards, uh, it has a, uh, a negative image sometimes about sure. the hustling and right. uh, you know all of the stuff that goes on. Absolutely. And so, in talking with folks, uh, we found out that during when movies would come out, like uh, Call of Money and The Hustler and that, or then it would pique an interest in the billiard industry and then the billiard players and folks start playing pool again. Yeah. And um, but once the movie went away, then it's, everything kind of settled back down and dropped off again. Right. So we thought that if we could put this every week in someone in folks' homes and they could see folks just like themselves playing the regular everyday billiard players, and now they're on national TV and they're reality stars and they're doing something they really love to do and playing for 
a big jackpot prize with characters, with, with the characteristics and the personalities that you see in the pool halls, but family-friendly. Sure. So we do want to be able to watch this with the children, but with the fun and the smack talking, that's family-friendly smack talking. Yeah. Uh, we thought it would just be entertaining and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and would increase uh, the game of billiards uh, participation again and uh, make it a family sport. So yeah. That's what yeah. we decided to do. Excellent. Well, you hit the nail on the head, you know. Uh, there is um, it's sort of a dichotomy, you know. There's the, the professional side of it where people strive for excellence and they or they strive for fun. And then there's the gambling and the hustling and the, and the sort of the dark side of it. Um, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose, I guess, you know, because uh, yeah. it, it, there's a couple of other, I mentioned to you earlier, a couple of other entities out there putting um shows together that are related to pool and mm-hmm. one of them is headed one direction and one of them is headed the other so it'll be interesting to see how uh, you know which one of these brings out the people out of the woodwork as far as you know generating interest is concerned sure, um, sure. you know what do you think well, I'll is, tell you go ahead i'm sorry uh, i'll tell you um because our concept is to our concept again is to just it's open to anybody. If you're 18 and over and can pick up a pool stick, whether you're a great player or pro, or whether you been started started shooting last week, right. we don't care because we're looking for personalities and styles. Right. More important than how great you are at playing pool. Sure. Of course, we've gotten um, hundreds and hundreds of phone calls and emails from folks across the country, and they're playing at every level. We've gotten professionals calling us. And we tell them the same thing we tell everybody else. We'd love to have you come out and participate. Uh, but because you're great, you may, you know, make it all the way to the final game. But if you have the personality of a brick, yes, it's <laughs> no good for TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that doesn't guarantee because you're a great professional pool player that you're going to make it to the TV show. That's and right. And then again, I have spoken with some folks on the phone. I'll tell you, if I can get some of those folks here, I mean, they're already sitting there coming – but if they come across in real life like they do on the phone, that is, <laughs> they're so hilarious. And their stories are so interesting. Yeah. Those are the kind of folks that we as producers are looking for. Yeah. So it's anybody can, this is a, throw it up in the air, anybody can be a reality star uh, this fall, possibly. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's fun. I, I You guys got your work cut out for you, because there are definitely some characters, that's for sure. <laughs> We've got some yes, there are. everything in between. Well, what I was going to ask you before is, what do you think is going to be the hardest part about it? I mean, if you you said something about uh, putting your, uh, uh, I don't want to say a script, but at least you got some concepts at least laid out as far as what you want to do. Is uh, is it the hardest part picking characters, or is the hardest part um, taping or editing, or you know what? What what do you look as the, the biggest challenge of all this? For us, and again, because we you know, we've been doing video production on national level since the nineteen nineties. So television production for us and our staff are professionals. I mean, we almost do that with one hand tied behind our back and one eye closed. What will drive this show and the fun part of this show? is picking the right personalities to uh, 
Right. Um, put in folks' homes every week that folks yeah. are going to either love or they're going to hate. Right, right. And um, so that is the fun challenge that, that we have to, uh, to, to, to kind of get through. Yeah. But, uh, again, because we've, we're getting so many different uh, phone calls and registration for folks that we've spoken with, uh, I, I think the biggest challenge for us is going to be finding – of all these great personalities finding the ones that we really want to go because we may be going, yeah, let's get this. No, 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 let's get this. No, you know, it may, we may back and forth for a while trying to figure out, yeah. but we got to figure it out within the course of a weekend because all of this takes place uh, over the course of a three day period. Yeah. 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 This is true. This is true. And who you're going to uh, have to work with or get stuck with. That's the case. May, <laughs> is the case may be. Yeah. Are you yeah. are you planning on doing all the taping there uh, in that in the same pool hall that you're holding the event? Or are you guys going to travel with it? Here, here's what we're doing. Uh, we're, we are. This is going to take place on May the 29th, the 30th, and the 31st, which is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And our schedule runs something like this: on Friday evening, there will be an orientation session that's mandatory for everyone to sign up. One to come and meet the producers of the show meet the uh, tournament uh, operators and managers and uh, go over the rules of, of play and so forth and so on and uh, to get to meet each other. And um, then uh, following that, there will be a, a social hour to we'll have you know food and drinks and we'll have some live entertainment for folks that enjoy themselves Friday night because first day Saturday morning around 8 o'clock, we get down to the business of playing pool. Yeah. And that's when the tournament gets cranking, and that's when we start, uh, you know, the process of elimination gets into play. Yeah. And that would take place all day Saturday, Saturday night, and part of Sunday morning if necessary. And, and everybody at that point is playing for the $3,000 tournament cash jackpot prize. Sure. What our producers would be doing, along with spotters, would be we'll be walking through the floor looking for folks to call for personalities. We will have some little small video cameras. We may be taping folks, the ones that we really think are funny or interesting or the tactician or studious. Tape them so we can take that back and we'll look at that in our cutting room, in our editing room, while the tournament is going on. So now, even if a person gets eliminated before they even make it to the final round to play for the $3,000, but we like their style or their personality or the way they laugh or talk or play or something... We'll come up to that person and say, well, listen, we know you got eliminated, but don't leave because we want to consider you for the TV show, so right. hang around. Right. So we put those folks into a group of folks that we will then interview and talk to about possibly being featured in the TV pilot. Yeah. Then on Sunday afternoon, we would take eight of those people and shoot the TV pilot. That would already be set up in a separate part of the building with the cameras and the lights. We're going to have a, a, a seating section with stands so that the folks that, you know, they're there, they want to be on the show, but they may be members of the audience. They can sit there and they can see the tournament play. We're going to have what we call a venting camera. So, for instance, if you miss a shot and you can walk over this camera and you're kind of like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed that shot, man. I missed that shot. I hit that shot all the time, but that's okay <laughs> because JP can't see it. He can't shoot it. Wait, so I'm going to come back and run the table. <laughs> it, there has to be an element of entertainment in this. Yeah. We're even considering, we have two hosts, um, Quinnell Slim, who's a professional uh, pool player and trick shot champion. And we have another uh, champion, Kelly Q, and they're our host and co-host. Okay. We're also uh, considering, and we probably will add a third person, which is going to be a comedian. 
to also just keep humor in the program because it has to be fun, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I say there will be smack talking. Now we won't be smack talking at the table to disturb the person who's trying to shoot. So you go over to the uh, vending camera, as we call it, or the smack talking camera. You could talk over there, but it's a little way from the table, and you can get your little points across or whatever. Yeah. So, so that would take place on Sunday afternoon. Okay. And then, of course, we would interview those folks and on camera. They talked a little bit about their background and who they are and what brought them here and how they got involved in pool and so forth and so on. Now, we may also send, uh, and then that will be the end of that weekend. Folks will go on. We'll get into the editing room and start putting things together. We may, uh, we'll probably send video crews to those folks' hometown and do another interview with them at their local pool hall, meet their buddies, meet the pool hall operators, meet their families. Because we have to build that whole person's personality and character into the show. Right, so right. folks can root for their favorite person Absolutely. and say, you know what, that lady, she's just like me. I, I, you know, or that guy is like me. Right. And we want a diverse group of people. We want women, we want men, we want younger folks, we want older folks. So we want to get a good mix of folks to be part of that uh, eight uh, folks that are featured in the TV pilot. Excellent. Excellent. That sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. Is- oh, it will be. Is this something that, uh, are you working with a network uh, as far as where is it, when and where are your plans for the uh, the airing of the show? We have, uh, we have submitted, this started again, you know, we started working on this back in 2010. Um, last year we did send off uh, some program treatments to some networks and we got some responses from some. I can't because of non-disclosure statements we have. Sure. But we got one network that is particularly interested in it, and uh, that's why we are moving on with the pilot. Okay. Uh, we had several responses, and folks said, oh, I kind of like the concept. Uh, give us some more information. One network said, don't talk to anybody else. Can you get us uh, a pilot? Let's just see if this uh, show's going to look like you have it in your, in your program treatment. So, which, you know, we were like, yes, because all we, um, our only concern now is getting the right personality. TV-wise, we're not worried about that part. Mm, okay, okay. Well, that's cool. That's cool. And how many? Uh, it, what, how long is a season going to run? If you end, if you end up working with a network, do they make that decision, or do you make that decision? Generally, a, a season is generally thirteen weeks. And okay. generally, what will happen is that let's just say that we send in the pilot. They say yes, we love this. Shoot the rest of the season. The process generally, what you'll do is uh, we'll shoot uh, a total of, of seven shows. Six will be repeated. You know during the course of the 13 weeks. Mm-hmm. And then the last show would be the championship show where the person, you know, wins the jackpot prize, which at that point could be whatever the network determines it's going to be. Instead of being $3,000 like we're doing here, it could be $50,000 or whatever they determined right. that it would be. Okay. Um, so then we would shoot, uh, we would get the eight folks that played in the pilot bring them back down at our expense or the network expense, and uh, we would cover all their expenses, and we, they would have to be here for in Atlanta for 10 uh, days to two weeks to shoot the remaining games, which wouldn't take long to shoot that, but also to build the storylines around it. Now, like all reality stuff, when we're looking for certain types of characters, we kind of got in my out of mind what we're looking for. Right. So, but all like like all reality stories, you know, they're, they're, they're semi-scripted. They don't necessarily have to remember lines and right. say this word and I'll rehearse and all that. Right. But we are looking. You have to have a little drama, a little fun in there, a little personality conflict. You yeah. know, that's yeah. what reality TV is about. But right. again, family friendly. Sure. Um, so so we are kind of, okay, you know, 
this person, let's just, as an example, let's just say you got some big macho guy there, and you got a lady there, and the macho guy, you know, he's thinking to himself, oh, man, I'm, she, why is she even here? I can outplay her with, you know, with my eyes closed. Right. <laughs> and she is whipping him. She's just killing him, you know. just So now he's getting aggravated because he can't understand why this little lady is running him off the table. So, right, you know, you have right. a kind of... You know, kind of that kind of conflict going on, and she's just cool as a cucumber, you know. Yeah. And uh, maybe messing with him a little bit, you know, or something, you know. Yeah. So those kind of little family fun conflicts kind of things, you know, we're looking for. Yeah. Now, the other thing is, you asked about the pool hall. We're not shooting this in a pool hall. Uh, we needed more space than a traditional pool hall because, well, you know, we're trying, our goal is to have uh, two to 300 uh, players come out uh, to play the tournament so that we can have a lot of folks to look at in terms of finding the right kind of people for the reality TV show. Right. So we're having it at the North Atlanta Trade Center. It's a huge place. We can put as many pool tables as there need to be so that we can quickly and efficiently flow through the uh, tournament and get down so we can find our folks that we need for the TV show and somebody can walk away with their $3,000. Right. So it's going to be at the North Atlanta Trade Center. Okay. And that also gives us enough room to, to already have the... Uh, TV pool part uh, pool uh, part set up at another park ready right. to go yeah, Sunday yeah. morning. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Are you going to film the rest of the uh, um, the episodes there at the same place, or are you going to do that somewhere else too? That part we still we haven't decided yet because we want to see what the network says. The network, yeah. you know, we, we they may have some creative thoughts about this too. We we I, we don't have a problem. Uh, put, uh, film the rest of it at the uh, trade center, but we won't need that large of a space anymore because we're really re- only working with the uh, eight people that are in the show. Right. So there's some really nice pool halls down here. Yeah. And uh, so we may just go to a really nice pool hall and shoot it in there, or we may go, we have a studio, we may shoot it in our studio and just studio up like a pool hall. So we're going to play with that. We're going to kind of wait and see what the network thinks. We, we'll do a little creative thinking with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, like I said, it sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. It sounds like you guys are going to have a lot of fun. We, we want folks to uh, do two things. One, like for them to come out and uh, participate. If they don't, we want them to uh, enjoy the show once it hits the air. And Because uh, I'm sure that like American Idol and uh, The Voice and the other shows, that once folks see this show on TV, it's going to be nothing like that they've ever seen before because these are going to be everyday folks like themselves that they they will get a chance to come out and audition for season two. Yeah. And once they see some of these folks play, and as I said, they don't they may not necessarily be the best players in the world. I'm sure they're going to be able to play, but they may not be the best. Folks are going to sit at home and go like, you know, man, I can play better than that person. Where are you right. going to audition again? Exactly. Where's the next audition? I'm going. You exactly. Know? exactly. So I'm going to buy a pool table because I'm, I'm going to get shot at my game. Or I'm going to join a league. Or I'm going to start going to the pool hall because I'm going to get ready for next season. You know, that's so right. that, that's the excitement that we want. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good stuff. And we certainly could use it. The industry could use, you know, something on TV right about now. It would really be nice, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, and especially, it it will be especially nice to have something that doesn't look criminal, you know. Exactly. (laughs) We don't want, you know, anything that we can do to get away from that that tainted uh, perspective uh, is always a good Mm -hmm. thing. It really is. So uh, I'm... I'm looking forward to it. I really am. And if I was closer, I might drop in, you know, <laughs> and come and audition for you. But 
Well, I'll well, put it this way. It, when May comes, if you guys are still buried in snow out there in Chicago, I'll send you a plane ticket. How about that? All right, all right. <laughs> but only if you're still buried in snow. Yeah, no kidding, man. This is, uh, <laughs> oof. We're about sick of this winter. Uh, well, I tell you what. I Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I think we got all the, the, the basic information covered. Um, Let me tell folks where they can get information. I was, yeah, I was to. just going to say, why don't so you go ahead and... want to learn more about the tournament, go to our website, which is www.ultimatepoolsharks, with an S on sharks, www.ultimatepoolsharks.com. Okay. And they can learn about uh, the tournament, the reality show part. Mm-hmm. You can also register right there online. Okay. Um, we have a... PayPal button. You can hit the PayPal button. It'll take you to your you do a secure payment right there online for your registration fee. And currently, the registration is only thirty five dollars until the end of uh, this month, which is uh, okay. February. And March it goes up to fifty five dollars. Okay. So um, certainly go check out the website. Look at some of the videos on there and uh, come join us. All right. All right. Well, thanks a lot, sir. Like I said, thanks for taking the time and. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you guys are going to have your hands full. And uh, uh, best of luck to you. Best of luck to you. I hope that it goes you, well. David. And I hope that, that you get picked up and, and we get to see you next season, man. I really do. Yeah, we're, we're really feeling good about it. And the network is that we're talking very excited about it. So we're, we just got to put it together, that's all. All right. All right, well, take care. And uh, best of luck. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Bryant's your host, and tonight my guest is Steve Lomax of Lomax Cues. Steve, how you doing today? I'm doing fine, Ricky. Good, good. Where, uh, where are you located at? I am actually in a little town called Alto, Georgia, which is about 65 miles northeast of Atlanta. And is that where you've always been located, or is that just the current location? No, I actually, I'm actually from Georgia, and uh, my dad was in the service, and we left Georgia when I was three years old, and I lived in seven or eight different states before I got old enough to start school, and we finally settled in Louisiana, and uh, and I grew up there, I went to school there, uh, college there, and that's where I lived until 1985, and then I moved back to Georgia, and I've been here since 85. And uh, how long have you been a pool player? Well, I started playing pool. I used to stand in front of the window at a little at a place called Guy's Pool Hall there in Morello, Louisiana. Before they would let kids in the place, I'd stand in the window and watch those guys. They had a glass door. I'd stand up to the glass door and watch those guys play. And luckily enough, all that changed when I turned... 13, they changed the law, so we were able to go in. So I started playing pool when I was 13 years old. And when when did you transition from playing to to building cues or repairing cues? Tell us how that how that came about. Well, I was actually <clears throat> I played uh, I played pool uh, on a daily basis. I actually worked in a pool hall 
up until 1985. And that's when I left Louisiana and moved to Georgia. And when I left Louisiana, I quit playing pool. I just, I gave a good friend of mine, I gave him my pool sticks. and I just said, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, so I quit. And then uh, I came back to Georgia. And, of course, I ended up getting married. And I've got a son. And now I've got a stepson as well. But uh, uh, when my boys got up big enough to start doing their own thing, then I told my wife, I said, you know, I really miss pool. I want to start playing again. And uh, and that was in 1999, I guess. Yeah, 99, 98, 99, somewhere in that area. And I uh, ordered me another pool stick, and I started playing again a little bit. And I went to a tournament, and a tip flew off of my queue, and there was a guy that doing queue repairs. And so I had him put a tip on my queue, and... Uh, Sorry to say, it was the ungodliest mess I'd ever seen in my life. And I said, man, they pay you to do this? And uh, so I came home. I bought me a lathe. I said, I'm going to just do my own. And one thing led to another. And that was in 1999. And uh, so in 99, I started doing Q repair, working on my own queue and then doing Q repairs for local guys here where I lived at, friends. And one thing led to another. And then in 19, and, and uh, I'm sorry, in 2000, and Two, I actually built my first queue, and I've been doing it ever since. I went full time about six years ago when uh, the economy was pretty bad. I was a I'm a trim carpenter by trade, and uh, I was just doing queues on the side in my spare time. And then uh, I ended up uh, about six years ago. I decided I'd just give it a shot and go full time at it, and I've been doing it ever since. Well, I've seen some of your cues, and that does some beautiful work, and and the hit on them is just just fantastic. I know when I met you, uh, uh, you uh, kind of have a traveling buddy, and uh, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, Joe Blackburn. Yeah, yeah. Joe and I have I've known Joe for uh, several years. I, uh, Joe and I have actually been working together, uh, I'm saying going on 10 years now. We've been doing tournaments together, doing uh, key repairs and stuff. Right. I see sometimes y'all have, you know, multiple lathes and sometimes a smaller setup depending on the size of the tournament. And I know Joe told us he travels to about eight tournaments a year. And, yeah. Uh, uh, missed seeing you at Derby this year. Um, yeah. The, well, this year was the first year I missed Derby City in 12 years. Right. Well, uh, it was... Uh, a big crowd this year. I was I was really concerned about how the crowd was going to be there this year, but it was a nice crowd. Now, do you have anything special that you can tell us about that that you specialize in in the cues that you make, or or just you make shooting cues? I know I've I've seen some break cues and some jump cues. And well, I actually I uh, uh, I I can actually build any kind of cue that anybody wants, but uh, I guess uh, over the last several years I got uh, the, the biggest thing was uh, I became well known for my jump cues something I played around with a few years before I ever let one of them go and uh, and then uh, of course I built uh, and now I'm uh, you know into the break cues and the playing cues and I'm and I'm doing fairly well with those too and it's it's, it's been fun it's been a fun ride and uh, now, I enjoy what I'm doing and that's what and I think that's what makes it a success because I enjoy doing it. Well, 
Well, I, I can always tell you guys are always having a good time when I see you at the, at the shows and all. And uh, but uh, now, the do you have like a a line of of standard cues and then custom cues, or is everything custom that you do? No, everything, every basically everything I do now uh, is custom. You know, I've got a I've got a line of jump cues, which are uh, there's basic models, and then uh, I've done fancier ones, and uh, I do. I don't do many, many. Uh, I don't. I don't do many uh, jump bikes anymore. Mostly now, it's uh, everybody's going to uh, a, a designated queue for playing, breaking, and jumping, and which uh, which I always said was the best because you couldn't get the best of both worlds in one queue. And uh, I guess that's the last three or four years. I've been doing a lot more sets, matching sets, than I have. Uh, you know. Uh, just a, a, a combination jump weight cue. Uh, I bet I haven't built 10 jump weight cues in the last three years, and I've probably built 150 sets. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's uh, one of the unique things I've now. seen with your, your work is you've, uh, I see a lot of guys will have a match set, and uh, that, that it's really sharp when you see that instead of uh, one of this, one of that, and something else. And, and But to have them matched up... Uh, uh, yeah, that's that, that's re- it's really been good for me. It's been and and uh, it, it, it took off fairly well, and and it's uh, and like I said, it's been great. Uh, it sort of caught on, I guess, and I'm doing a lot of that here lately of matching sets. Do well, you have any any pros that uh, that you can tell us that are playing with your cues? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, John Bombeck plays with my cues. Has been for about four years now. As a matter of fact, I'm building John a new set, a real fancy set. Uh, uh, I'm in the process of that now. Um, Shannon Dalton, uh, uh, Justin Bergman, uh, the late Larry Price, uh, 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 Larry Neville is an ex-player, uh, Stevie Moore, uh, several in the, and I can't, really good count. I, I can't even count how many of them has got my jump cues. I mean, there's just so many of them out there that's got my jump cues. But my main, uh, the the, uh, the main ones now is uh, John Brombeck, uh, Shannon Dalton. Uh, and we got to see Justin the two Bergman. of them face off at Derby this year again. We yeah, I had, uh, I, I had two players in the finals there. That's something that those two guys have been trying to do for 17 years. I'm just sorry I wasn't there to see it. That would have been great. It was it was a, a really. But I did get really to watch game. it on the stream, so it was it was okay. Yeah. Well, it's uh, as far as uh, your brake cues. Do you do anything? Use anything special as far as uh, tips or or what you're thinking on between well, uh, and, and well, at tips? one time, at one time before I really got into doing my own thing with cues, I was part owner of Bungee Billiards. Okay. And uh, and they had a tip. Called the uh, we had a tip with bungee called the bungee tip, which is a finale tip. Right. And uh, you know they and then uh, of course uh, some of the guys came out with the one piece feral deal, which I never did like that myself. I just there was just no control. I didn't think there was enough control with that. So uh, when we sold, when we finally decided to sell bungee billiards, and and I told they called me and asked me about it. Steve, you want to sell? I said yes, sell it. I said I'm tired of messing with this stuff and I want to do my own thing and so one of the things I did was ke- I kept the uh, the 
bungee tip, and I, I use those for a long time on the bike cues as well as my jump cues. I still use them on my jump cues today, but uh, my bike cues now I'm using the Samsara tips. I think that's the best, right now, that's the best bike tip out there as far as I'm concerned. It's a leather layer tip, but I think it's the best out there. And I understand from talking with Joe that uh, you do some. You have a really nice paint booth and do uh, paint and restoration work as well. I do. I do. I've got. I've got. Uh, I've got like uh, eight cues I just got in the mail here in, in the last few weeks to refinish, and I do a lot of that. Uh, and I stay pretty busy doing that as well as uh, building my own thing, building my own cues. But uh, and I, and I enjoy doing that stuff, and you learn a lot from seeing other cues and working on other cues. I've learned a lot over the years from just doing cue repairs. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's helped me along the way to uh, try to build the best cue I can and the best playing cue I can. And, of course, being an ex-player helps because, you know, I know what plays good and what don't play good. Right, right. Now, did you ever work for another cue maker or anything in the process? Or, or No, I didn't. You've just kind of learned... On your own? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of help from a lot of the good, a lot of the great guys out there. Uh, Andy Gilbert uh, uh, has been a great help to me. Uh, uh, Royce at OBQs has been a great help to me. Jim Babcock, uh, Jim actually built my CNC machines for me and helped me through that stage when I got ready for that. And uh, and I, I now I used to help Bob Mucci at the tournaments a lot when he was traveling around doing his deal with his mist destroyer. I never actually worked for Bob, never worked in his shop, or I visited his shop, but uh, I just uh, asked a lot of questions when I was around Bob, and, and Bob was uh, real helpful with answers and stuff. The man, the man to, uh, he's very intelligent. Well, I know the, uh, the American Cue Makers Association, the, the members and, and the guys there, it, it's just a great camaraderie here in the United States. Uh, what I see you guys swapping and helping and talking it's not like i got a secret how i do this i ain't telling nobody you y'all right. really share a lot and that, and that that really i think helps the game yeah there's a bunch there, 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 there's a bunch of great guys in that organization i'm i'm proud to be part of it and uh and uh and like i said i've got a lot of help from and that's what they have their uh their meeting and and competition out at super billiards and uh I know I've I've seen you out here with Joe Blackburn. I'm hoping maybe that uh, you'll be able to be back on the road by then. Uh, well, I'm I'm hoping for that. I'll know I'll know a lot more here in the next uh, month or so, just with uh, what's going on with me. But uh, well, I know but I think our, everything's going to be okay. We've mentioned to our listeners that that uh, that you're uh, fighting a battle, and uh, we think you're on the winning side of it. We're pulling for you, and. Uh, we want you to get your health back where it needs to be, and it's it's great talking to you. I uh, just like I said, I miss seeing you at Derby. I just uh, was the first thing I went and talked yeah, to Joe. Well, I usually see the two of y'all because you're the only two people that I let clean my cues or retip anything. I let a shaft set in the bag for months until I get to see you guys. So. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I miss Derby. Derby City is one of my favorite tournaments to go to. And uh, I really miss being there this year. I almost went anyway, and I said, no, I better not. Uh, my health comes first. So Yep, absolutely, buddy. I decided to back off, and uh, there's always next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, how how close are you to uh, 
to where Joe Blackburn's location is in. Joe and I actually live, Joe, Joe is actually in Bristol, Tennessee. We actually live about three, I guess it's probably about three hours, three, three and a half hours apart. Okay. And, uh, you know, we don't see each other much unless we're, uh, we meet up for the tournaments when we do the tournament. You know, we fly out to Vegas and uh, he'll drive to, uh, like, the Super Beard Expo that's coming up. Joe will leave and drive to the Super Beard Expo and then and we just meet there and do our thing and have fun doing it and wait for the next one. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, I'll visit over at his place at, uh, to the little pool room that he, he operates out of, and, and he'll come down here and stay two or three days with me and just we'll play golf and stuff like that, you know. But uh, we don't get to spend, the only time we get to spend, really spend a lot of time together is when we're together at tournaments. Right. And I know y'all spend a quite a quite a bit of time in the summer out at Vegas. Oh yes, uh, yeah, that's coming up. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, and and I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to go to that. I just found out. Well, we just found out that the Riviera uh, is no longer going to be around after this year. So right. Well, I, I I'm not sure it's going to make it to the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing <laughs> that that uh, APA may have moved by the end of the summer for the fall. Uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, the uh, now I know the team events that's in August. I think it is. Right. Uh, that's they've already rescheduled that. That uh, uh, it's it's already moved. Right, right. That's uh, and that's that's a big move. Uh, and that was a. It's a lot of memories for a lot of us uh, for that location. Yeah, yeah Riviera's been around a long time. Yep, and. Uh, but uh, the BCAPL had moved, and uh, I know that the yeah that moved over to the Rio. I don't. Right. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how that's working out yet. Uh, of course, none of us are. It's uh, still under a little trial and error. I think it's it's different, and uh, and it, of course, every time you move somewhere, it's always different. And rough the first couple of years, I guess. Till everybody gets settled in, and but. Uh, but I think it'll be okay. The, the BCA and the APA and, and the uh, you know, VNEA moved as well. Uh, that's that's where, but but that's that's the life of pool right now. Is those is uh, the is the BCA, the APA, and the VNEA the amateurs is where pool's at. Well, that's that's and, uh, there's a lot a lot of amateurs growing. out there, and uh, the the pro events are are changing, and we've, we're seeing a lot of things in flux, and I think. Maybe it's going to make a turn for the better. And, uh, well, I'm, yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm hoping that's what happens. I mean, I hate to see it just be a dying thing, but uh, well, what's the best way? Changes of, will be made. What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you if they'd like to look at? Did you have a website or do you? No, have, I, I, I actually I didn't have a website. Everybody's been on my case about <laughs> that for the last couple of years, but I'm just so. So busy, I really don't have time to to uh, you know update a website and keep up with that. I got so much other stuff going on. But uh, you know, when I uh, the best way to get in touch with me is you can uh, email me at uh, Stephen L at Windstream dot net. Uh, uh, you can get me on AZ Billiards or Facebook. I'm on both of those. I try to post uh, cues that I build that's for sale or cues that have sold, so everybody can get a look at what I've been doing. And uh, and and that's been pretty good for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've got to get around. Maybe that will be one of my agendas this year is to get a website going. Well, a lot of people are using Facebook instead of having to have a full out web page, and so that's 
it's a good venue. I see a lot of your stuff, and I, I see a lot oh, yeah, of well, disappointed I mean, guys. Facebook's been great. Facebook's been great for me as far as queues and uh, people uh, meeting a lot of people. And uh, of course, I meet a lot of people anyway when I go to these uh, tournaments, especially the ones out in Vegas. You know, you meet people from all over the world, which has been good for me. I mean, I've got queues all over the world now, and I still get calls from all over the world for, for queues, which is great. And uh, and and I I just enjoy people and being around people and uh, and doing what I can to help them and I'm just glad they like what I do and and, and they're happy with the uh, with the end result. Well, like I said, I see a lot of the guys on Facebook when you'll post a picture and they get a little disappointed. You'll say, "No, that one's already sold. That's just just posting a picture." <laughs> yeah, most of uh, that's usually the case when I post something. It's either sold or or it sells. It don't it don't it don't stay long. Right. And but I'm so busy right now with custom orders that, that orders that I haven't. I think I, well right now I've got two I've got two custom queues available right now is all I've got available. Everything else is is orders that it's already sold. And uh, and I'm pretty well tied up with them. I've got probably. Oh, 25 jump queues to build that's already uh, sold. I've got uh, 10 or 12 custom queues, two or three matching sets, and it's just, I'm just, uh, I've been fortunate and, uh, and and glad to be busy. I know well, there's a lot of guys that out there that are struggling, and it's, it's a tough business, but uh, hopefully everything works out for them as well, but I've been fortunate. Well, if somebody orders a queue, about, about what type of wait time do you have? Well, it just depends. Like I said, depends on how busy I am and, and exactly what they want. Uh, you know, if uh, whether it's a plain Jane, a fancy queue, uh, it could go anywhere from uh, three months to uh, up to a year. Just depends. It just depends on what they want and what's. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of stuff available that's ready uh, to put together that where I could build a queue in a couple of months. Right. Uh, but uh, again, it just falls back on. What all they want in the queue, or, or what woods they want it made out of. If it's a special wood that I don't have ready, I've got several different types of wood that are uh, the forearms are ready to go, handles are ready to go. It's just a matter of grabbing them and starting to uh, put the artwork or the ring work and stuff in them and take off with them. So it just depends. Well, and and the work that you do, you don't have anybody else working for you. It's just you, or no, nope, just 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 myself. Okay, and you and, do uh, you do wraps uh, as well on the. Case? Oh yes, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty well known for my leather wraps. I probably do as many leather wraps as anybody in the business. Uh, and I, of course, I put leather wraps on all of my playing cues, and uh, and you my playing cues as well. You like somebody asks for something different. You have a particular okay. leather you like the best? Uh, the best, well, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, the best out there is elephant ear. Uh, you can't. I mean, it, it, and it's uh, it's just it's just so durable. You can't wear the stuff out. It lasts forever, and it looks great. And it feels great. And, you know, it's it's expensive, but uh, over time, it's the best bang for the buck. It has a good feel to it. I agree. It's. Uh it's different. If it, nobody's ever, ever touched one, they ought to touch one of those. So. Right, and I've been fortunate enough by being in this business to be able to play with all of them and use all of them. So uh, that's uh, that's my choice. As, uh, I mean, I won't ever play with anything else. I don't think they'll ever come out with anything any better than that. And 
uh, I like the feel of it. And like I said, it's it lasts. Uh, you know, the, one of my playing cues I had for five years, and then the elephant ear rabbit felt felt just like it did the day I put it on. Of course, I don't get to play that much anymore. I very seldom play. I don't have time. I'm too busy. But I miss playing. I enjoy playing. But uh, uh, well, that's what I really. Uh, some of you guys that are the pool pool mechanics and cue makers out there that. Uh, a lot of the guys don't realize what good players you guys really are as well, so it's, it's amazing. And I think that means a lot, you know. You've got, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, most of, most of your well-known and high-end cue makers, they were all players. And so they know they know how cue should play. I mean, are they, uh, they've got their own ideas about how they want their cues to play, but most, all of them were good players, and most of them's cues play great. You know, we've got a lot of great cue makers in this business. Now I've learned from I've learned little tricks here and there from several of them. If I when I started building cues, if I run into a herder, I could make a phone call here and there, and uh, I would get an answer. Or if they couldn't help me, help me, they find somebody that would, which has been great. And uh, you know, I've always tried to help anybody that needed help when they called me. I don't shy away from them or say no. I'm not going to go learn on your own or something like that. I don't believe in that. I think there's enough, there's a lot more pool players out there than there are cue builders. Right, right. And one of us can't keep, and one cue maker can't keep them all happy. <laughs> you know, there's, there's enough out there for everybody. So I wish everybody the best is doing it. Well, give us uh, give us that email one more time before we get out of here. Okay, it's Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N-L, at Windstream, W-I-N-D-S-T-R-E-A-M dot net. And they can and reach, my, uh, reach you on uh, AZ Billiards? AZ the, Billiards, the I, as, uh, I'm, I'm uh, Steve L. on AZ Billiards and, is, and, uh, and Steve Lomax on uh, Facebook. Well, fantastic, buddy, and we're praying for you and, and uh, hope the health turns around. And uh, Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just it's a little battle, but uh, I, I think I'll get out of this trap. Yep. <laughs> I think everything will be okay. I'm, I'm confident. I got good doctors and uh, a lot of friends and family support and prayers. And I think everything's going to be okay. Just going to be a little battle. That's all. Well, I sure appreciate having you here with me tonight. This is Ricky Bryant with Q Talk on American Billiards Radio. Thank you, Steve. And thank you very much. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is Mark Cantrell and the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And uh, this week, you know, there's been so many things that have gone on here and there, and I, I don't think I can cover all of them, but I did uh, ask my good friend, creator of AZ Billiards and uh, co-promoter of the Diamond Billiard, uh, Diamond Pool Tour here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Mr. Mike Cowlton to join me. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. I like to have you on here, and I, I don't want to, you know, uh, milk the cow too many times, but you kind of know what you're doing. You know, you got a lot more insight. Are you me. kidding? I'm clueless. 
Come on, I just gave you that build-up. Yeah, I was wondering, which one of us is a legend and which one of us is a champion? Uh, you'd have to be the legend, and I'm the champion of sitting on the couch, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could challenge you for that crown. <laughs> well, Mike, there's just a few things. Um, I don't know how in detail we can really get. And again, this is just our opinion. But uh, I'd like to start, if I could, uh, talking to you a little bit about the Will Tenball and the Manny Pacquiao uh, shortage of money incident. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, the big, a couple different takeaways from it. You know, first of all, um, I've seen and, and I've heard some of the nut jobs out there talking about, you know, oh my God, Easy Billiard just trying to trying to, to scare away Pacquiao and he'll never be involved in pool again because of an article that, that's on AZ Billiards. First of all, it's, it's news. And, and secondly, the article makes it very clear that we don't even think Manny knew about it. Um, my understanding is he's not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't read, you know, it, even Ian Anderson said that it's, it's difficult to, to get in touch with Manny. It's not like you can just pick up a phone like some promoters and, and explain to him what's going on. Um, I doubt, I, I mean, I would be willing to bet serious amounts of money that he has no idea what happened. And I, I know that Ian has has said that he's going to try to contact him and work this out, and I'm sure it will be worked out. But this is not in any way an issue in our minds of Pacquiao running off with, you know, twenty or $30,000. That's that's bus fare to him. You know, it, he has no reason that he would do that. He's the one who put up the money to begin with. So it makes no sense that, that Pacquiao would do this. You know, the I, other thing... I, go ahead. I agree. I, no, I, I, just, I, I just agree with you. The, the thought of it makes no sense. He's got too much to lose. One, he's putting up the money he's doing. He didn't have to do it in the first place, you know? Right. He, and, but he's putting up the money. Second, he's a congressman in the Philippines there. And he's trying to run to be a senator. Well, this kind of thing can't go on. You know, we you know just from American politics. Any time there's any uh, anything that looks like it's shady, people come down on you. So I don't think it's in his interest for the amount of money we're talking about when he can probably go out and play and fight chumps in a ring and make that money. Oh yeah, he wants. I mean, what logically? Why would he want to steal money? from himself. I just, you know, if he needs the money, then he wouldn't have ran the event. So that just makes no sense whatsoever. Um, he didn't run the tournament. He had other people there running the tournament. And I think that's where the misunderstanding is. You know, it could very well be a misunderstanding about uh, any number of things. I, I mean, I imagine, well... The number of teams that originally expressed an interest in playing and then pulled out, you know, that was like half the field. And it wasn't just based on, oh, the money is shorter, you know, the money is smaller, so we're not going to play. There were a number of teams that pulled out prior to the money being being smaller. And that has to do with the Euro Tour and any number of other things. You know, there's a Euro Tour event that's just getting started. There was a GB9 ball tour, so 
the European players were put in a tough spot. I mean, the European players were even told they could not play in the Scotch doubles event that's going on. And, and the Scotch doubles event is a much bigger shortfall money-wise than the World 10 ball. And it's, it's a lot more difficult because it's not a WPA event, so the WPA can't really step in and, and try to do anything about that. Right. Um, you know, what I was going to say, and, and, you know, I, I kind of have these goofy ideas every once in a while, but, you know, you've got, you've got players who were shorted the, the 5%, you know, the players who cashed, in like, I think the bottom rung of players who cashed did not lose the 5%, but the rest of them did. Um, you've got 40000 taken out of a guaranteed prize fund. Let's go back a little ways. You've got players playing in a tournament who are being told, uh, I know I told you the money was in escrow, but it's not in escrow, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay you. You'll have to take post-dated checks. I mean, this is not anything new, but the players keep playing. You know, and, and I've always been one of the first ones to say, what else are they going to do? You know, they, they've got so few opportunities to go out there and play and earn a living that they have to take advantage of every opportunity they have. But there comes a time, and I'm not saying that this was the time. I'm just saying that eventually there has to come a time when the players come together and say, we're going to do something not just for the betterment of my wallet, but for the betterment of this game. And I honestly believe one time the players walk out there on the, you know, in the arena and lay their cues down and say, no, we're done. You know, we are done being taken advantage of. We are done towing the line and just saying, thank you. Can, can you give us another shortfall of money? We're done dealing with it. And until the guarantees that were made are lived up to, we're not hitting a ball. Now, I want to know if those guarantees start happening then because I don't see them happening until then because the players have set a precedent that, sure, do whatever you want to do. You know, it's like a bad relationship. Mistreat me all you want, and I'll keep coming back for more. Well, eventually, you have to say, I'm done being mistreated. But the question is, who's going to be the one to bring the players together to do that? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, been an ongoing debate as to how how does that actually happen? Who breaks ranks? And as soon as somebody starts breaking ranks, they say they all get together and say, "Let's do this." As soon as somebody breaks ranks, everybody's going to go, "Well, shit, he's playing in it. I'm gonna I'm not going to lose an opportunity to make money just so somebody else can make a point. I want to try and make this money." Then that's you know. But that's not, uh, I, I, I hope that this does not sour Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I was him, if I'd do it again, to be honest with you, to put out um, 100, 200, you've got to, with the short, if he makes the money good, he's looking at somewhere without any, that we know of, somewhere around $250,000. That's, I think it was 100,000 for the, added for the 10 ball, right? 100,000 added for the Scotch doubles. Well, 50, production costs. Well, I'm not, I'm not even counting that. 
plus so for fifty thousand went missing, so he's got to make that up. So it was uh, two hundred thousand added plus the fifty he's got to make back up is two hundred and fifty. That's without anything else. Right. And he's getting bad press. You know, people are talking bad about him and, and, and that kind of thing. Whether it's on him or it's not on him, his name's attached to it. And I'm not sure if I was him, if I'd go, I don't want to spend quarter of a million dollars just to get my name dragged through the mud. And if you can't well, trust I, your family, who can you trust? Well, right. I mean, okay, so who's dragging his name through the mud? I mean, of course, you can say, oh, AZ Billiards is. But what does that mean to him? You think he gets up every morning and checks AZ Billiards? Uh, you know, let, uh, no, you got a valid point. I know, I know. You said, well, actually, it was on. I tell you where it was. It was. Uh, I saw it was on Yahoo Sports. Yeah, one of the headlines on Yahoo Sports. Yeah, it was. It was Yahoo Sports in the Philippines. Um, but it was. Uh, you know, it, it goes on there, and it's editorialized or whatever, and uh, it says. He, he just doesn't. He's, he just doesn't look good for him. That's all I'm saying. I know we know it's not his fault, but you know ultimately, he his name's on it. So would you want to go through it? Would you spend fifty dollars just to have somebody say, eh, "This is suspicious. Look what happened here." Well, I I, I certainly don't. I certainly don't know the inner thinkings of the man. Um, I don't know what his motivation was behind doing this. Now, something that you said makes a lot of sense. He wants to be senator over in the Philippines. So how better do you get the Philippine voters behind you? I mean, let's face it, the majority of that tournament was for the Filipino players. You know, pool is is so immense over there, I imagine, and, and again, I'm just guessing, but my guess is that was looked at as an investment in the yeah. Philippines being behind him. Not that, not that he needed that investment, because the Philippines loved him anyway. But I, I, it, it just, it's a guess to me that it was probably done to try to to garner even more support in the Philippines. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. He, you know, we know he loves the game of pool, and he could very well have done it just because he loves pool. I mean, even $250,000, yes, on one hand, that's not a whole lot of money for him, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know his finances. But, you know, on the other hand, yeah, you can't keep doing that a couple times a year forever and ever. Right. Well, let, let, let me ask you this, too. Move on to the, the just to the five percent that was taken out. I guess the WPA charged. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, Manny Pacquiao. We know it's the the, the World Tambo Tournament. X amount of dollars, and it came out of the entry fees. Um, it was the entry fees, right? Okay, so let's just. What do you know what the entry was? Fifty bucks. I, I think it was two hundred. I, I believe it was two hundred. Okay, so it's 200, and let's say the the WPA, and this is hypothetical, but it's just a system of how it will work. WPA says, uh, we want $50 for sanctioning fees. Then you just pay us a lump sum to sanction it. Just take $50 out of every um, entry that comes in, and that'll be our fee. So that 50 comes out, so 150 is going in the pot. You, uh, am I right so far? 
on the theory um, of it? Yeah, on the theory, yeah, yeah. No, My understanding is that the entire entry fee was paid to the WPA in lieu of the sanctioning fee. Because usually there's not an entry fee for a world championship. That's my understanding. Okay. So then so, it comes down. So the, the WPA is being paid. Right. And, and and then when the players get their checks, there's another 5% taken out. And that's explained to them that it's the WPA sanctioning. They're, they're being told out. that's your sanctioning fee, and they're saying, but wait a minute, we paid our sanctioning fee up front, and the organizers are saying, well, no, this is your sanctioning fee. You know, it, it could just be a simple case of the right hand not knowing what the left hand's doing. How much do we know about, uh, is it Lorelei, Lorelei, uh, Pacquiao, and Bobby, Manny's brother? Yeah, so, have yeah. they involved heavily in the pool world? Have they ever ran a tournament before? Uh, that I don't know. Um, or is it is it a case of Manny giving his family a job to do? Well, the last couple of times that tournaments were ran over there, Pacquiao events, there were different people running them. You know, uh, Edgar Acaba ran it once, and then I want to say the last time it was ran, it was somebody else. And then this time it was his family. It, I mean, it's it's a tough it's, it's a good I, I, question. Yeah, I'm just wondering how much experience these people actually have at running uh, any tournament. Not just I'm not talking about a world championship, right? Um, right. From and and uh, well, obviously they they the the five percent may have been a misunderstanding. Um, if I give them benefit of the doubt, but the forty thousand out the doubles can't. There's no way that's a misunderstanding. Right. Right. And you know who's who's probably just I, I I don't want to say this mean, but you know our buddies at Matchroom are probably looking at this and just rolling their eyes and saying, you know, we know what it takes to run a, a world championship at the highest level, and you know, as much as Manny's heart is in the right place, it sure doesn't sound like this was a world championship at the highest level. Yeah, well, unofficially, I I I, sp I spoke to um, somebody from Metroom, you know, and a couple of people, uh, and they called it a fiasco. But yeah. that's not official from them. That's just a conversation oh, sure. that I had. That they said it's a fiasco, which it probably is in their mind. <laughs> but you know, we're going to get to to Metroom because I've got you know. Uh, my own things on on them at the moment, um, but Ian Anderson to finish up the ten ball. Ian Anderson was there, um, and did, do you know what when he found out what action he took on this at that point? Or no, I don't. I'm going to try to get a hold of him and see if I can't get him on the show for next week. Uh, maybe he can shed some light, and, and hopefully another week will, you know, maybe we'll get lucky, and, and another week this whole thing will just be resolved, and we can move on and. You know, people can think of other reasons why we're trying to destroy pool. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's something there. Are we? I was going to come to this later on. Are we, are we starting to become a little bit of a vigilante group and try to find things wrong everywhere we can? And I'm, maybe I, I'm as maybe as much to blame. It's just I think sometimes with the way things are. You you're always looking over your shoulder as to who's trying to screw who. 
and, for, and why. You know, and even if there's nothing there, the tr we're trying to find something. I'm not saying that the Pacquiao thing was right. I'm not saying that's uh, right I at all. You know, I, I think my question might be the exact opposite because you and I both know the amount of times that there is funny business in this game and I'm sure that you do the same thing we do. You look the other way or you you try to look for an explanation. I mean, if we wanted to report everything negative that goes on in pool, we'd be posting four or five stories a day. Come on. I mean... That's, that's true. Uh, well, I'm not necessarily... You know, when I say, are we becoming cynical or trying to become vigilantes? Uh, I, I don't just mean you, me, or uh, anybody else who's kind of been involved in the inner working sometimes of of Paul, but just people in general. Uh, I know it's the forums. I hate to go back to the forums, but and and I know it's it's your business, and I don't. No, no, obviously, nobody blames you for anything that's said on there. <laughs> but you, oh. the, 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 it's a double-edged sword, Mike. You've got the the biggest, most popular pool of billions website in the world. And when you've got that, information is power, I guess, as they say. And it gives people free rent to come on and, and state their opinion. And everybody's got a right to do that. But so that, maybe there's an element out there that are just going... Huh, what about this? What about that? Something fishy going on here. Here's who's to blame when we haven't heard all the information. You know, as far as the forums go, I mean, the, the people on the forums are, are diehard fans. You know, they're they're the ones who who could recognize, you know, a dozen pool players in a group of a thousand they're not your average pool fan, but on the other hand, they have that uh, they have that ability to be anonymous behind their keyboards, and and they love that. You know, pool fans like to prove that they they either know something that the other one doesn't, or they're better at something than the other one. It's I think there's an awful lot of trying to prove themselves on the forums. You know, well, you're an idiot because I know more than you. And I mean, I'm sure you get as much of a chuckle out of it as I do most of the time when you go on the forums and you see guys on there saying, well, if if all of you really understood the real situation, you would know that one plus one is four. And, and I know this to be a fact. And you just look at it and say, you are an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about, but you're convinced that you do. And they will go to the grave, you know, telling everyone how much they know that the other one doesn't. And then it gets into, well, you know, you're an idiot because you don't believe that one plus one is four, because you don't believe that what I'm saying is right. You're a moron. And, and yeah, you know, sometimes I wonder if it wouldn't have been better in the beginning just to not allow people to come on under fake names. Um, but that's that's the internet, and that's a form of any kind. So, as much as I hate the that part of it, I don't know an answer to it. 
Yeah, well, the phone's also very valuable as well. Um, I've, I've told many people across the country who've asked questions. I've said, you go to easybillies.com, you go to the main forum in easybillies, you sign up, get an account. Yeah. Ask any question you want. And I guarantee you within 24 hours, you'll have the right answer. <laughs> you'll have the right answer and four or five wrong answers that are convinced you're <laughs> right. right. Well, okay, that might be true as well. <laughs> um, the um, Reno, we just went, just got done with Reno, and all three events were points events for Mastroni Cup. And how, how did how did they all do that? Um, I was surprised to see that Shane only won one event. Um, Jeffrey Ignacio won the 10 ball and the 8 ball. Um, our friend Jeff has got to be real pleased having brought uh, uh, Mr. Ignacio over. He got the all-around as well. Yeah, I haven't heard anything back from Ozzy yet as far as uh, bonus money, but um, yeah, I would think winning two events, that would give you the all-around. Um, our local favorite, Scott, did real well. Um, Skyler Woodward, it looked like he did pretty well, which I expected him to do even better. I mean, as much as he's proven that he's also a monster on a big table, I mean, I still think of Skyler as as a real specialist on the bar box. Did you stop and look at the numbers for Reno this year? Were they were they about the same? Were they better? Were they lower? From when you when you say like attendance. Uh, players. Yeah. From what I, from what I can gather, it was better than okay. before. It's been it was better than it had been before. Now, I'm not sure if the fields weren't short of players, but I don't know if they opened up the field either to more players. But uh, apparently, the numbers exceeded what they had previously. That, mm-hmm. Now, that's that's only what I've heard, and. That is good. Uh, there's a lot of talk because it was announced late, fairly late on, that it was going to be most Johnny points. Um, that's a whole other issue, uh, which we I'm happy to get into. Um, but some of the, they were saying, well, some of the players didn't have time who would have played in it. And I, I give the example of Mike Duchesne. Uh, would he have gone all the way to Reno to get points because it's expensive, you know, to, to go. For somebody like Scott or Oscar Dominguez, Ernesto, people like that, it's not as, ex- it's, you know, it's not as expensive um, because it's just a car ride. Right. But th- then again, th- there were other tournaments, the, the Swanee and the uh, Jay Swanson Memorial that could have been made into a, uh, more profitable or made more sense right. threat. But I guess they, 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 the complaint has been that they didn't know in enough time to to maybe be able to make those plans. But then again, have you ever known a pool player who made long plans? I mean, normally they, they send in their entry fee the day before the tournament. And... Yeah, that's that's true. I, I, I guess the, it's not. I guess it's a flight information. Well, yeah, um, there is that. That costs more money 
you know, you buy that day or the day before, it's going to cost you more than it would if you got it a month or two ago. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm buying it, because I, I, it, it just seems like there's, uh, I don't know. But I guess as somebody pointed out, if they'd have planned it out correctly, that it could have been done. So somebody pointed that out to me. Um, one of the forum members, actually, I was having a chat with them, and uh, said, you know, they, they could have made plans to, to go to the Swanee, the Chuck McCullough's Memorial in Reno, uh, and, and done it that way. It could have happened. Right. Uh, but it, then there's the other side of that, which is, Moscone cut points on the bar table. What, what's, what's, what's your thoughts on, on that? Well, I, I know that there are a lot of people who have both sides of that debate, you know, who feel that it's just the exact same game, it's just on a smaller surface, and there are people like myself who feel that it's a completely different game, and that it doesn't necessarily represent um, the best players out there. Um, I would be curious. Well, I mean, I I can't wait for Matchroom to come out with their points so that we can see who the front runners are now. And that, well, that's my other point of contention, Mike. Um, said it before. I say every time I talk about Matchroom. I think Barry Hearn of Metro Sports are geniuses. I love Luke Riches. I think they do a fabulous job, and far be it from me to, you know, judge what they're doing, where they're giving points out. But with the system that's not in place yet, that is one thing that I, is irking me more than I, I know about the... <clears throat> we're playing on Barbon's tables, okay, you've got your own argument. It can even be more difficult. You've got to be a really good player to win on a bar table uh, versus a big table. There's, there's also that argument as well. Um, having eight ball and ten ball in, as a qualifier for a nine ball tournament. That's an argument. But my biggest problem is Matchroom, I believe, are leaving themselves wide open for criticism and they're such a stellar top-of-the-range organization that never does anything half-assed. No, they don't. Yeah, they... That we're having a, a thing here where we're going to be, unless those po that point system is comes out fast, we're going to be at the Super Billies Expo, and there will have been five ranking points events, and nobody knows what the system is. And it leaves them wide open for criticism as for fixing who they want there and who they don't want there. Yeah, and and you know, going back to your previous question, it, it just gives more fodder to the fans to find whether it exists or not. You know, something to question as far as as what's going on in pool. I mean. Not that Matchroom cares. I mean, all the fans in the world can say, oh, Matchroom did what they wanted to do. Well, guess what? It's Matchroom's event. They can do what they want to do. You know, they could say that Team USA was you, me, Dave, uh, Ramin, and Shane, and they're perfectly within their rights to do that. I think that's not bad. Why not? You know, you like that lineup? <laughs> Only if I can pick Team Europe, too. Yeah, I'm betting all my money on Team Europe. 
guess my point is, I don't like Mexican opening themselves up to a potential conspiracy theory, because a lot of times that's what we're talking about. It's a conspiracy theory that, and they set it up so that they can make sure that the guy who won the eight ball in Reno got 500 points, and the guy who won the U.S. Open got 50. I'm, I know, obviously, I'm exaggerating, and being it's a hypothetical situation. But, you know, if somebody's favorite player didn't make it on, they're going to say, why was that tournament worth more than this one, or we didn't know what it was before, they didn't enter this tournament because they didn't know it was going to be that many points, and so on. And, and that's, I guess that's my problem. I don't, it's up to them, like you said. It's their event. They can do whatever the hell they want to do with that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big supporter of that. But don't like them leaving themselves wide open for criticism. No, and, and I agree. And, you know, it, it goes back to the Pacquiao thing. It, it wouldn't make any sense for Matchroom to stack their point system against any particular player if, they wanted a particular player or didn't want another particular player, they would have been perfectly within their rights not to do a point system at all and just say, we're going to pick the players. So, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, just like Pacquiao's trying to do the right thing. You know, they're trying to say, here's a system, here's events that you can compete in to earn your way on because you've got guys like Mike DeShane, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick him out. I'm just saying he's an extremely strong player that had reason to believe that he should have been on the team last year. So you're giving guys like him a, a way to do it. You know, here you go. If you want to play on Moscone, you feel you were shorted, then here's events to play in. Now, did they announce those events, you know, much too close to the time of the events? Probably. Have you heard anything about uh, the CSI events being point events? Um, no. Uh, I, I imagine. Yeah, I, 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 it, seems, it, seems, it seems logical uh, for that to happen. Uh, so we will have had the uh, WCT 9 Bowl. We will have had this uh, U.S. Bar Table Championship, 8 Bowl, 9 Bowl, and 10 Bowl. Uh, somewhere around the middle of next month, the Super Billiard Expo. Right. Five. And then, is it May or June that's going to be uh, the CSI stuff? Uh, I think it's June. June, so there'll be two more there. That'll be seven. Keep uh, in mind, those are both more box. box. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, it, that's, uh, again, it's contention uh, that's, that's out there. Uh, you've also got Turning Stone, the U.S. Open. So it's, it, it could be nine events. Uh, that are going to happen. And, you know, I, I spoke, I should, I maybe, I don't know if I should even say this. People were saying, why are they doing that on the bar tables at, um, for the, was it, uh, what was the tournament? It was, it's, oh, it's a, we was just talking about the Griffin tournament doing the, uh, the CSI event, doing the, the U.S. Open 8-ball and 10 ball on bar tables. And I asked Griffin, and I think there's a lot of other reasons involved, but he said, people don't realize the cost. Somebody had posted up, and I agreed with them. 
somebody posted it on the forum saying, what's the difference between putting a 9 foot and a 10 foot, other than space in the truck, uh, sorry, an 8 foot uh, a bar table and a 9 foot table, what is the, what's the difference? And uh, I was told it's $500 more per table just to put the line up. Wow. For the 9 foot table. And that's just, you know, that's not counting the space in the truck or anything else that has to go on because it's all unionized there in Vegas. They're not allowed to put up their own lights. Somebody else has to do it. And that, then the charge is $500. And they have wow. to put an extra light up for the 9 foot tables. So, I'm not surprised. You, so anybody who looks around, if you go to Vegas and you look around at all those tables, each of those lights costs $500 just to put up. So when you start asking, where's the money going? <laughs> How come you say you don't make any money? That's probably one of the reasons. Yeah. But that's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing with these bar tables. Uh, I mean, is everything going to turn to bar tables? Well. You know, there are people who feel that way, you know, that the game is just transferring over to the bar box. I mean, we live in Arizona. Bar boxes are huge here. You know, players love to play bar box events. Um, I mean, I I tend to think that it, you know, it makes the game easier. It, it doesn't really challenge a player the way pool is supposed to. You know, but on the other hand, I play on a bar box. You know, of course, I'm old and I can't see that far. That's reason enough, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, last thing. Um, uh, sad news to me um, about the Riviera. Yeah. I've got a lot of memories. And I know there's many other people who've been going to the Rev for APA or... BCA, uh, any other thing? I think well, this is challenging shit. Uh, the World Pool Masters were held there one time, or, or a couple times. Um, got a lot of good memories from that place. I'm surprised that it's going away. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, when they took the splash bar out of there, that just seemed to be, in my mind, that was the beginning of the end. I mean, there were so many of us that. It was just a common thing, you know, well, we'll meet at the splash bar. I mean, you didn't know where your friends were going to be, but you went to the splash bar because that's where everybody was going to be. And then when they got rid of that and put in, you know, more Queen slot machines or whatever, yeah. Well, the Queen uh, Victoria, which I, I wonder about those people as well. I mean, it's not been there that long. How long has uh, Queen Victoria been there? And how much did it cost to build that out, and et cetera? And now they're going to get told, well, you don't have a home no more. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, they'll tear it down and they'll build something bigger and better. Well, apparently it's going to be a convention center. Oh, wow. That's... That's what, that's what the reports have been that I've read so far. But yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of memories there for a lot of people, I think, and it's, uh, it's, it's just a, a shame, but I guess things, things are going to happen, right? Sometimes... Yeah, you know, everything moves on, and yeah, it, it is a shame to see it, uh, you know, not just become another casino, but 
you know, we've got the Rio, and and I read just the other day where the uh, the APA event was moving to, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's the new uh, that new place um, with something Gate, is it Westgate or something? Yeah. It, but there, I also read that their event, the APA's last day of the tournament, is the day after is the day the Riviera closes. So I would imagine there's going to be a swamp of uh, pool players going to say their farewells. Yeah. Well, that brings a whole new meaning to you got a deadline to get everything moved out of the building. How the hell do you do that? I mean, the last day, do you say, okay, everybody, if you've got chips from the rift, you better turn them in because they're going to be no good tomorrow. Well, but isn't the rift owned by a company that owns a number of other casinos out there? I, I don't know. Most of them are part of a group, aren't they? But yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't know who owns it. Uh, I just know it's a piece of history. And then, because, you know, everybody goes over to Circus Circus. I guarantee you there's people listening to the show Guarantee you, the been in the Riviera, gone across the street to slots of fun and got a Subway sandwich, and <laughs> and come back, gambled, played pool, got liquored up, and then gone across to the Fireside Lounge at five in the morning, and sat by the fire, had a cocktail, and gone had breakfast with those uh, sugar, that multicolored sugar they have there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, and... and you know, we look back on the good old days, and you know it's just not the same. Right. Well, it's sad. It's a shame, but hopefully, bigger and better things. And hopefully, we'll be getting a uh, some information on the Moscone Cup. I know it's early. I talked about the Moscone Cup all year long, but it's early as to what the uh, what the new uh, venue is going to be, or is it going to be a new venue? Where is it going to be held? Yeah, I haven't heard. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. We don't know what the point system is either. It's, uh, it's a very confusing year. <laughs> yeah, All right. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add, Mike? No, I think I'm good. You are? Oh, I will, one, one thing. We had a, a, a good uh, good time at the uh, Skip and Jams for the first yeah. uh, Diamond Pool Tour event. Yeah, we had a good event. We've got our second one, uh, second week of March. Uh, I want to say the 14th and 15th of March. And also, as far as local pool goes, we are in the planning stages of an Arizona State Junior Championship. Uh, been working with Sam over at the BEF, and we're going to try to do that in May. Awesome. Well, you, well you're still working on it. You don't know what it would be or at Bull Shooters? Uh, bull Shooters, yeah. And that's where our next uh, Diamond Pool Tour stop is, Bull Shooters. Right. Well, good. Everything's coming together. Uh, I don't think we've answered any of the uh, problems of the pool world, but we've definitely had a try, right? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Mike, thank you very much for your time. Always enjoy talking to you and getting your insight. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking again real soon. All right. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Mike. 